Mr. Sullivan. And it, uh, that sounds a lot like Mr. Jackson. Wow. This, it couldn't get here fast enough for me today, Dan. I had to, I come in early. Wow. I want to wring every minute of this out of the, uh, our time together today. Oh, that's great. I've, that's I've great. been, I've had the most amazing weekend of discovery that I maybe can remember in, in a long, 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 long time. And I've been going because I've been thinking about Cloudlandia and I've been thinking mm-hmm. about the historical moves that got us here. Like where you're know, looking at where we are right now. I wanted to kind of look back at what, what got us here. And I was mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, essentially where we're talking about the sharing of knowledge or you know, spreading ideas or spreading, uh, communicating really. Mm-hmm. And I look at the, if we just take the, you know, kind of four main things, which would be sound words, you know, mm-hmm. talking and music mm-hmm. and, uh, recorded stuff like this pictures and print and video are all that's mm-hmm. the four big things that we have right and i started mm-hmm. going back i started thinking like the evolution of where they came from cuz you and I, i've talked before that the last you know 30 years has really seen this sort of cascading asymptotic curves following you know the digitization of things text and then uh, pictures mm-hmm. and then video and and um all of that. Now, when I really started thinking about going all the way back, like how did we communicate and spread ideas? Like you imagine that our first things were, you know, kind of grunting and gesturing and pointing and things like that, that evolved into, into language. And then I thought about what's the first sort of portable asynchronous thing of communicating would have been a cave drawing that somebody put on a, on a cave to, to communicate something to leave a legacy of that communication. Because otherwise up until somebody did that first cave painting or drawing that there would have been only immediate communication me to you, as far as you could see and hear, that was the reach Mm -hmm that you had Mm -hmm. right now with the cave painting, you're able to leave a mark that somebody else could view asynchronously while you're not there. Then I started. So then the next thing up would have been um, paper. Well, tablets Mm -hmm. or things like that, being able to have a portable version of a cave, you know, where they were actually, uh, as far as we know, they were actually tiles, uh, like pottery tiles. So they yes. learned how to make pottery, and then they would put in, you know, they would put marks on, mm-hmm. on tiles, and then the tiles could be carried. You know, yes, like, and they were durable. And so, yes, you know, and, so you uh, could share. You could share them, and you could yeah uh, keep a legacy of it, and that could last for uh, for years. You know. Mm-hmm. And so now mm-hmm. there was some sort of, um, I guess that's really where recorded history would would start yeah. because oral history would be how we would communicate. Otherwise, people would tell stories or tell mm-hmm. the stories of their mm-hmm. ancestors, and things would be kept alive that way. Yeah. Um, well, they then, estimate uh, they they estimate the Bible, for example. Um, um, you know what's called the Torah and uh, in uh, Judaism um, is actually um, probably stories roughly about a thousand years and they um, keeping and collecting and remembering and people would tell these stories so mm-hmm. stories became crucial uh, communication vehicles because uh, first of all everybody likes a story the brain seems to 
uh, be geared to a story. And uh, they have the um, great value of being beginning, middle, and end. And a lesson, a lesson of some sort is, Mm -hmm. uh, or the lesson could be talked about and people could draw other lessons and everything Mm -hmm. else, but it became a communication vehicle. Stories became a communication vehicle and Mm -hmm. some of them were put to music. And they, they became songs or they were poems. They were easier to remember because poems, poems. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. And yep. then you're on the so, right. Yeah, you're it, you know, then I mean, we got all the way to uh, read, Then we got all the way. Yeah, then we got all the way to around 100 BC paper came into yeah. play where it yeah. was yeah. papyrus and parchment and uh things that were now yeah. portable that you could yeah. you know light portable uh you know doing mm-hmm. with ink sort of thing that they would make from um you know that was a durable sort of um um record and that then the first books were, were what they called the codex which would be um, you know, stacked pages that were bound, kind of thing was the first yeah. things of the uh, of uh, books, but they were still handwritten and mm-hmm. not not duplicatable. Um, and then, you know, the big advancement, of course, was Gutenberg. But what movable I found out, type. yeah, what I found yeah, out interesting type, yeah. in four that was in fourteen fifty, roughly, but around a thousand. AD, there was movable type in use in China. And, but it was abandoned because it was impractical because they have such a vast, um, you know, number of, they don't have an alphabet. It was all symbols and stuff. So it was impractical Mm -hmm. to, uh, to do it. So it wasn't until 1450 when Gutenberg took that idea and turned mm-hmm. the uh I'm sure he didn't know about that idea from no. there because how would he? There would be no mm-hmm. way to pass ideas from different geographies, right? There's no mm-hmm. no way to know that. But anyway, he came up with the movable type and that created the whole um the whole thing and allowed you know printing to become a thing and there was a whole industry built up around around that but it wasn't until 1860 that sound was even possible to record it was around the 18 the 1860s was a big period where we were able to record uh sound and to record pictures and then on the heels of that moving pictures Right, that that became all of that was available now by the end of the 1800s, like completely viable in a, a format that we had it, you know, uh, including mm-hmm. the telephone being able to, um, you know, communicate by voice to, uh, to other people. But this is where it gets interesting is I started then thinking about, well, who were the people who, um, sort of commercialized these kind of things. And I started thinking about the, you know, the music industry or the recorded audio. This is the first um, kind of path that I've gone down here. But in 1900, there were three major record labels that sold collectively 4 million albums in 1900. They were the Edison Records, Victor Records, and Columbia records so there were three three big companies selling all the music and in 1999 the music industry peaked at the end of that century with 14 billion dollars in sales collectively Mm -hmm. of the albums now the thing is those the three there are three major record labels that basically own over half of all the music in the world and that's a pretty interesting um, development. But in the 20s, Dan, there was this is where we entered into now 
a free zone collaboration where the Westrex system was invented, which was a better recording system for getting, um, you know, sound music specifically uh, recorded in stereo where it sounded really good. And, uh, you know, you could print it on the, um, you know, on discs, you know, I don't know that they were vinyl yet, but the recordings that you could get were great. And they went to the three major labels to collaborate with them. And two out of the three decided to go with it, which essentially meant they'd be out of the hardware business because Mm -hmm. they were all developing their own independent vertical integrations they were making the machines and then they were recording the things that uh that they thought that people would want to uh consume and then they were selling those things to them so they had that vertical integration going mm-hmm. all independently and the west trek system kind of brought it to one better way that they could all adopt as a technology and uh, two out of three of them said, let's do it. And the one that didn't, Edison, was out of business, <laughs> out of business in 1929. So in less yeah. than 10 years, because he wasn't on board with the thing, it was like that winning format or technology took, um, took over. And wow. I thought then that had a 50-year run then mm-hmm. of – 50 years of that whole model that built the modern music business. Right. And now we come into when it went to uh, digital. Amazing. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is, this is kind of like, you know, I was thinking about the evolution of things where, um, they, you know, basically, if you look at the fundamentals of this, back mm-hmm. then it was that the drivers, you know how uh, Jeff Bezos always says, you know, I, there's three things I know that are not going to change is that people want as wide a selection of products as they can get. They want to get them as uh, fast as they can and they want to pay as little as they can. Well, those three things are what drive, I think, everything. Yeah. If you think about that, the 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 things that drove the music industry, and that's a parallel as I kind of look into the other things um, as we go, that that's a parallel to it. The music industry for 50 years was dri- driven by consumers want music, uh, you know, new content. Mm-hmm. They need the studios, our artists need somebody to record it because it was difficult. There was a a barrier to recording. Only studios had access to uh, only record companies had access to studios to actually physically record your music, Mm -hmm. to make records and that the people consumers needed a physical copy of it to, Mm -hmm. uh, to consume it. Right. So those mm-hmm. three things were in place for those 50 years. And here we are now, 1999, and, you know, two out of those three disappear. We don't need physical copies of things because there's digital. Napster mm-hmm. proved that, that there's a market for free digital music. And yes. you don't need a studio to record it because. Apple and Pro Tools and all the digital um, recording things made it possible that you could make an album in your basement, basically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what you're left with is consumers want new content. Mm-hmm. And now that anybody, you know, in the last 20 years, anybody can provide that content and have mm-hmm. access to that bottomless pit of consumer desire. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's funny. It it struck me as comical. Like I was thinking about the movie industry and, and, you know, you imagine Thomas Edison, like showing somebody 
the moving picture thing. And people, you look at it and they go, wow, that picture's moving. Look at this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. then it struck me that, uh, do you know who Ricky Gervais is? Sure. The sure. comedian. So you know his voice. Yes. So I imagined Ricky Gervais being shown this and then saying to him, uh, yeah, but I, I, I can't hear what he's saying, really. <laughs> Can I? <laughs> and it's like oh, this, this unending dissatisfaction. So that, well, I can't hear him. Okay, well, we'll add music to it. Ta-da, and then we'll make movies, you know? And then it's like, well, I don't want to stand here and look in this box. So they made projectors to project the movies so you could sit down in theaters and watch it. And then it was, well, I'd rather stay home. So they created TV to distribute the stuff. And then it was, well, it's not in color, is it? (laughs) And then color TV. And then that set off. Not only that, but yeah, you had the problem with the antenna. Sometimes you got. Right. Yeah. That picture's not, this picture's a bit garbage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and then the then the uh, you know that then spurred the networks to create programming, and that whole thing was was had a monopoly for years and years and years. But then in the seventies, people started saying, "Well, I'm kind of tired of these three channels. I want more, more. It'd be nice to have more." And then yeah. cable came in, and there's all these things, and then. Well, I don't want to be there. I can't watch all this. At at uh, I can't be there. At there's two shows I want to watch. So the VCR allowed people to record things, and then they want to watch the movies at home. And so the VCR, you know, Blockbuster starts producing or providing a way for you to watch, you know, first run movies at home. Mm-hmm. And then, well, I'm kind of tired of rewinding. So they created CD or DVDs, so you don't have to rewind. And then it's, well, I'm kind of tired of going to the store. So Netflix mm-hmm. says, well, we'll send them to you by mail. And then it's, I want to, I'd rather just stream it online. And we've evolved to now, the ultimate level of this is, I'll tell you what, here's what I, I want access to every piece of recorded video ever produced in the history of man. I want it available instantly on any of my devices for any of my family and anybody I give my password to, and I'll pay you 30 cents a day for that. And that's where we are right now. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's yeah. Been, of course, yeah. Uh, nobody need nobody needs that, but collectively we do. You know, yes. no individual needs that, but collectively, right. uh, you know, I mean, that uh, you know, it's the law and tail. Uh, yes, the concept of the law and tail. Um, there are certain things that a lot of people want the same thing, but for the most part, people want their thing. Yeah, you know, and and they don't that they don't feel that they should pay any more for their thing than right. uh what everybody you know like there's uh you know a million people want this and one yes. person wants this over here and the one person says well i don't want to i don't want to actually pay any more than what the million people are on average paying for the thing that they're getting right and um yeah and of course the million people wanting the same thing are driving the progress Yes, there's a lot. There's a lot of capital there, you know. So the popular drives um, the breakthroughs that the uh, personal can take. Uh, I'll, I'll make a distinction between popular and personal. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, like I was reading today. I was reading an article from the London Review of Books, mm-hmm. and it's about a. 18th century wealthy guy by the name of Joseph Banks, who uh, was born wealthy, married even wealthier, and made himself even wealthier through his business acumen. So it was wealth times wealth times wealth times wealth. Mm -hmm. And he decided that uh, he wanted to go on a trip around the world. So he basically um, paid the British admiralty and the british navy to give him a boat 
And uh, he went on this year-long trip around the world, went to, you know, the South Pacific because there was a, uh, a particular moment had been predicted accurately that Venus would go across the face of the sun and he wanted to, uh, you know, he wanted to be there. It would be another century before that happened. And uh, and could be seen, you know. So he had to go to the South Pacific to see. And he did that, and he collected thirty thousand plants, um, you know, leaves, and had them. He took artists with him and everything. Long story short, he basically created the foundation of botany mm. in Britain with his one trip. And uh, they found all sorts of islands that uh, in England planted their flag on them, and so uh, mm-hmm. you know it was. A lot of things, and uh, you know, he he uh, came back, and he brought all this knowledge with him. You know, and uh, you know, and the only reason this trip could happen is because this really wealthy guy got an idea, mm-hmm. and he had a lot of friends in the right places, and um, you know, he knew a lot of very very talented, uh, um, what you would call early scientists. Um, who were subscribers to his, um, you know, his uh, wealth of knowledge when it came back. And it kind of shows you how things happen. Somebody gets an idea, you know, and, um, you know, is in the right position at the right time to create something new. And it turns out there's a lot of people who are interested and would pay for the right to take advantage of what that person had done. Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? I mean, I mean, whole... I think of mm-hmm. you. You were mentioning Jeff Bezos, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, and you know, there's, uh, um, you know, there's two schools of thought about Bezos: is that he's the best thing that ever happened to, uh, re- you know, retail, or he's the worst thing that ever happened to retail, and mm. you have to. Um, uh, you have to look at the people who are profiting by what he's done. And you have to look at the people who are being destroyed by what he's done. But there's no question that he's created a new type of um, um, shopping system in the world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. An entirely new shop. I mean, as much as, um, you know, uh, as the impact of Edison or the impact of Ford or the impact of, you know, name any century old or yeah or gutenberg i mean gutenberg, gutenberg destroyed all the monasteries <laughs> right I mean, well exactly because they did that there was no reason for well they had to turn to, to beer. their like they had to turn huh? to beer that's what happened Which, for the monasteries yeah, I, I i would i would say that the world is better off exactly that, out of every uh, uh yeah. <laughs> every belgian beer you know can't probably came out of a monastery what are we gonna do now damn you gutenberg and then they started drinking to cause their to soothe their pain. Yeah, one, of them, uh, they, one of them had the bright yeah. idea. You know what, guys? We could probably make this beer ourselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's how the industry was born: soothing their sorrows from their uh, their mainstay well, of probably how it was commercialized. Probably every everybody just made their own beer, and then amongst that, I bet we can. I, I bet we can make it better. And I, I wonder and they if, had all the they had all the network of monasteries, so they had a built-in uh, marketing system. Probably. Yes, I wonder, Dan. Of you know, I would rather have I'd rather have monks uh, competing for the uh, making the best possible beer than putting their interests in other places. Yes, but it's there's some got to be some element of truth of that of that the you know, invention of the printing press really, uh, you know, they had hundreds, thousands of year run of, <laughs> of being the only uh, way of duplicating printed, you know, yeah, d- duplicating things. And when they really went out of work, <laughs> that's, <laughs> I wonder, it's going to, that's interesting to see what started the beer, uh, making <laughs> well beer beer has been around for a long time as a yeah. matter of fact uh the one constant when they find ancient pottery like uh, you know and i'm talking africa i'm talking south america when they find yeah. pottery 
they find residues of alcohol in uh-huh. the uh, pottery. And this could be, you know, uh, this could be 10,000 years old. And they had figured out how to take something and turn it into an alcoholic beverage. By, mm-hmm. by then, you know? So my feeling is that uh, alcohol got discovered real early. You know, yeah. that, um, and um, uh, probably a great need for it because uh, life was kind of brutal. Yeah, it was kind of short. It was kind of short, and uh-huh. uh, you wanted to imbibe something that made you think that everything was connected. Yeah, exactly. You know, it softened the pain. It extended the imagination. It probably made people friendlier, mm-hmm. at least for short periods of time. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I just can't, you know, I was looking as I'm, you know, I was watching just this endless, I've been, you know, searching history of all of these, uh, history of publishing, history of books, history of music, history of video or uh, motion pictures and all these things that, you know, you kind of started to see this um, behind it, this structure of vision capabilities and reach and kind yeah. of overlaying these things on it was often the visionaries who who invented the things were not really often the ones that that capitalized on them you know yeah. um and the whole the I've industry got, uh, kind I've of got, built around them yeah i've got uh since the time i saw you because i saw you on wednesday i think uh-huh. was it wednesday or thursday i'm not sure yeah. uh, i think it was thursday, thursday. yeah thursday. thursday and that was at the free zone our free zone uh, um connector we do mm-hmm. some connectors the next day i did a um i did a um 10 times connector two hours uh-huh. And, uh, and, and, uh, I had about 65, pretty good for August 65. Uh Um, you know, just checking in. And I start with three questions. I always start. And the first question is, if you were starting your company over again, uh, who's the first who you would hire? Uh Okay. And then the second who and the third who. And then I had a fourth question. What's your biggest insight from this? And then I went into a, um, a breakout group with three other people. And um, all three of them uh, had had the same experience that when they thought about their future in terms of who's and not how's, um, their vision got bigger, immediately got bigger. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and they were surprised by this. They were really, really surprised. And I said, uh, I said, uh, how big could this get if you pick, uh, you've got these three who's in a, let's say each of those three who's chose three other who's, you're up to nine who's, but you've only chosen the first three. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I said, how big could the operation could be? And immediately they saw it wouldn't be local. It would be, um, regional or national or global. Yeah. Yeah. So we went back to the main room and I put that out there. How many of you, when you think about the future, where the building blocks are who's, mm-hmm. not how's, uh, your vision gets bigger. Every hand, every hand went bigger. And I said, well, well, been, that's you, funny. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'll, I'll add in. The vision after. gets bigger. The vision gets bigger. The capability gets bigger. The reach gets bigger. The yeah. moment they think in terms of who's, not how's. Yes. So I'll add something to this because I've been having the same thoughts that, but the precursor to the who, the the vision thinking is what, and there's a thing of what would you, uh, what would you do or what would you uh, would need to be done if it was all um, possible for you? Because the who, unless you know what, needs to be done the who is the um the end of it you know like so when we say well what i what i would do is have a uh, a podcast yeah and then that leads people they know they're exposed to this and say yeah i want this i want to have a podcast that's what i want to do but then they traditionally do get caught in the in the 
how do I do that? Yeah. And that's where the who comes in was who can do that for me, or I want to write a book or yeah. I'd want to run, uh, run Facebook ads to, to get, uh, leads. What do I need to do? What, you know, when you get down to the, the core essence of what it is, people, um, if all you could do is wave a magic wand and your desires are, uh, are yeah. done. Yeah. That goes probably well, that, that along the lines of your my, what. Yeah. What do you want? Well, it's the wanting, the, the yeah. wanting yeah. and, uh, wanting what, uh, wanting what you want, not wanting what you need. Right. It? And, uh, yeah. and that, that's why I, feel that all the world's greatest problems will not be solved by trying to solve all the world's greatest problems. Yes. It's simply millions of people simply creating what they want. Yes. And then somebody will say, Hey, you know, if we put this and this and this together, you could, you could, uh, you know, we've been taught, uh, we've been hearing for um, ever in my lifetime, probably yours too. Uh, that we have to fix the school system. Yeah, we have to fi- we have to fix the healthcare system. We have to fix the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. And and my feeling is that um, if you want to keep a problem a problem, make it what you want to solve. Mm-hmm. In other words, uh, uh, in, in other words, uh, problems love being tried to solve problems because the the problem can get stronger that way if a lot of people give it its attention. Yes. That's how bureaucracies get created. They're trying to solve a problem. And, uh, you know, the first generation, second generation, third generation, by the fifth generation, they haven't solved the problem, but you've created a huge bureaucracy. Yes. uh, uh, Around the problem. Uh, I think it was Deepak Chopra. Uh, I I just saw a comment that he made once. He said the reason why we can't uh, cure uh, cure cancer is because more people are living off cancer than dying of it. And he said oh. five times more people, five times more people. I mean, if you think of all the research labs, all yeah. the foundations, all the hospitals, you know, and uh, along with the charity balls and the, you know and the marathons yes. and everything yes. like that. It's uh, the the cancer has created. It's the cancer industry, you know. It's the cancer industry, and uh, yeah, and probably it'll be solved by something. Somebody was just trying to. It'll be like post-it notes, you know. The guy was trying to. Yeah, accidentally. Uh, yeah, he accidentally created post-it notes, which became a huge profit maker for 3M. But he wasn't uh-huh. trying to. He wasn't trying to create post-it notes. It was a mistake. Right. And and so my sense is that there's uh, what we have to, you know, encourage in ourselves. I'm just saying for myself as Dan and your, yourself as Dean, uh, I'm not trying to solve any problems. I'm trying to um, get clearer about wanting what I want and then finding who's who can help me get what I want. Yes. I'm not trying to solve a problem here. Right. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to solve uh, uh, hunger. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to solve COVID. You know, I'm not trying to solve, I'm not trying to solve anything. Right. Wow. And that's, I think that's really the vision uh, part of the equation is really seeing all those, uh, I think being exposed to capabilities is one of the keys for for yeah. seeing what you want or getting spurred um, on by stuff. Yeah, yeah. The second thing I want to talk to you about what I did, um, and I'll send you I'll send you uh, both of these, and I think I'm going to repeat them. I've got another one of these. Um, I think on the twenty first of the month. Uh, Ten times might be worth your uh, taking a look at what I did, and if okay. you 
wanting to come in and do it. Sure. But I'll send you the questions, and then I'll send you the thinking exercise I did. And the thinking exercise, the title is called Your Three Growth Levels. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I did is I created an ABC going down the left-hand side. Um, and um, and um, and um, what I did is I simply put in that I've got three growth levels. One of them, C, is called Signature. B is called 10 times ambition, and the um, uh, A is called um, A, A is called free zone. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then I said, uh, and then I came up with uh, one of our clients about three weeks ago came up with a neat phrase, and I just grabbed it. And his name is Will Duke, and he's a securities guy from Houston, Texas. And uh, he, he just said, strategic coach is the b- biggest intellectual shortcut of my life. Mm. Intellectual shortcut. Intellectual uh-huh. shortcut. I, like, I like the sound of that. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, <laughs> I grabbed it. And I, in the um, second column, so you have ABC and then you have intellectual shortcuts. And I gave five intellectual shortcuts for each, each of the three levels. And then I said, what is the growth, their growth that comes from going through these levels? And I described that. And then I said, what's our reward for them going through this growth stage? And I went through that. And I said, now, I'm going to really stretch your brains here. So they just get a blank sheet that's got ABC on it. And it's got the titles, but it has no writing on it. Mm -hmm. And I said, if you thought about your company right now and that you bring people in, Okay, and you have a first level that you call C, and maybe you put a name to that, and there's intellectual shortcuts that you teach them there, okay, and then you have a B, and they're better because they've mastered the um, the intellectual shortcuts at the first level, and now they've gone on to B, and, uh, and then there's an A, and they've mastered two levels of intellectual shortcuts and now they're at the top level and I can describe how they grow in each of the levels and what our reward is for each of those levels. Okay. Well, the whole place went crazy. The whole place went crazy. Well, first of all, they had gone crazy on the who thing. They'd gone crazy on the, on the three questions where I asked them about their three who's. So I put the two of them together and people just said, Oh my God, this totally changes how I look at my company. And I said, yeah, I said, so where do you sense that there's competition in the marketplace? Okay. And all of them said, well, at the C level. I said, okay, C level. Okay. So if you're just operating according to your own C level, you got all the competition in the world. Okay. What about B level? And they said, no, I'm seen as the industry leader in B. And uh, I said, what about the A-level? And they said, uh, there is no competition. I said, no, you disappear at the A-level. You disappear oh. at the A-level. So what I've done, uh, Dean, and uh, why I was so pleased with it, is that I've actually given the Boy Scout handbook of how you get from Tenderfoot to Eagle Scout and Strategic Coach. Mm. You know, like, like uh, there's layers of mastering intellectual shortcuts and once you accumulate these intellectual shortcuts give you an example a first level of self-managing company with unique ability teamwork and you have the lifetime extender and you have free focus and buffer days and you have the largest check okay those are intellectual mm-hmm. shortcuts okay here's an intellectual shortcut it'll add another 25 years to your life <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's that's right. Good. Exactly, that's the intellectual shortcut, the lifetime extender. Right, exactly. On day one, yeah. we've already yeah. given just you adds, twenty years. Just yeah. adds twenty five. Well, if not to your, uh, well, add twenty five years to your career. But would you be okay with twenty five more years? Like when all of your competitors are retiring, you're just yes. uh, you're just starting to feel frisky, you know, uh-huh. and, uh, and, uh, and then the second level, you know, is self multiplying. And then 
you know, and uh, we, you know, deep DOS, and you know, there's about five of them, and then the the top one, uh, the free zone. I just talked about the five that we went over on Thursday, and I said these are shortcuts uh, that once you grasp these intellectually, you start doing things that are faster, easier, cheaper, and you get a bigger result. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and everything and. Everybody said, God, this just totally, just totally, I mean, I'm just looking at my business totally differently. Yeah. And yeah. I said, now, now, if you think, uh, first of all, you already have these intellectual shortcuts. You haven't named them. The reason why you're operating at a half million dollars a year or a million dollars a year or whatever it is, is because you've got shortcuts that nobody has, but you haven't named them. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I said, so name your shortcuts. Name mm-hmm. shortcuts, you know, and put a name on them, you know, like yes. the eight profit, eight profit activator. Right, exactly. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you just named them. These are shortcuts. Yes. These are eight shortcuts towards profitability. Yeah. You know, you know, and I was just thinking of the little um, conversion lead that you workshop that you put together that our Paul and Rachel loved yes. so much. And mm-hmm. I said, well, you could take any of your eight levels and create a uh, Tuesday afternoon workshop, three Tuesdays in a row. I mean, yes, the, everything you got is an intellectual shortcut. Yes, you're right. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. where we're at. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. So, so the interesting thing is that um, uh, this word intellectual shortcut, I think, plays a part of what you're, um, you know, uh, for um, you know, language is an intellectual shortcut. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that uh, in Europe they had an alphabet of 26 letters and the Chinese had, you know, if you were really good, you, you knew 5,000 ideograms. Well, mm-hmm. that, this is go, this is going nowhere. Right. 5,000 ideograms is going nowhere. Uh-huh. You know? And, and, uh, and, uh, and. You know, 26 letters, yep, 26, that's it. We got it. That's you know, exactly. Shakespeare, Shakespeare used them all. You know, Shakespeare used all 26. But isn't it amazing <laughs> that there's only, yeah, there's only 26 letters, but how every piece of, of uh, <laughs> written content has come from some combination of those yeah. 26 letters uniquely with a vision. I just struck yeah, me. Yeah, it's damn. really interesting because in wh- whatever other language doesn't use those twenty-six letters, mm-hmm. the greatest histories of that culture are done with the twenty-six letters, not with the language. Like oh. the greatest histories of China are done with the twenty-six letters; they're not done with the yes. ideograms that the Chinese use. You know, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Islam. All the greatest histories of Islam are done with the twenty-six letters. And almost all, the vast majority of them in English, you know, wow. uh, English language. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the alphabet is like digital. I mean, what it does for you is like digital. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody can be literate. Hardly anybody can be literate in China. Right. Yeah, that's really. If literate um, means, you know, 2,000 ideograms. Well, good luck. Yes. Uh, you know, it's an it's interesting something that you said about the Boy Scout manual and mm-hmm. the um, 1954. I still have my copy. That is something. I'm going to get one of those immediately on. Yeah, eBay. just go. To, uh, just go. Just go to eBay and say I'd like. Yeah, um, yeah fifty-four, fifty-five, and uh, they yeah. they give you the exact growth structure you have to go through from the very first day, and you get this booklet when you uh, on the first day it tells you yeah. the growth path that go takes you all the way to Eagle Scout. Have you ever seen um, the uh, any of the original like correspondence schools correspondence courses where? It used to be a thing where you could take a correspondence course on something, and by mail they would send you. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I did one of them. Oh, you did? Okay. It was I, called the Famous Artist. It was called the Famous Artist course, and it was from Westport, Connecticut, and it had like Norman Rockwell and uh, uh-huh. 
all the really, really famous illustrators from the 1940s, 1950s, uh, uh-huh. painters, commercial, all commercial. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you got this big fat binder that had about 20 lessons in it, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, uh, it was very funny. I never finished it, but it gave me the whole concept of, uh, how I would structure a strategic coach as, as did the Boy Scout handbook. Yes. I, this is, uh, breakthroughs today. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, the correspondence, of course, I got some of the old, like, um, ones from, I bought some lots that were the, um, you know, the complete, uh, course of something. And it's, it's really, it was great to see, uh, to see these there was so much efficiency in the way these things are oh, done yeah. to, to be- send something laid out. Yes. Some, laid out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's all print. I mean, they were all print, but, uh, you know, and, uh, yeah. These intellectual shortcuts, I'm looking at the um, things where I see what's happening now is the um, availability of capabilities from who's. The who's are always attached to a, a capability or that that's the reason I guess you would have a uh, who is to acquire a capability that you don't know how to do right because a capability yeah. would be a, a how I guess right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a tool for a for a how which could be a, a, a software program or it could be a a mechanical tool or it could be an algorithm or an intellectual shortcut that mm-hmm. you're getting to get to what you uh to what you want which ultimately yeah, remember, you, you know uh, you've picked the four freedoms as a yeah yeah the, the <laughs> grand desire that people have right yeah yeah i mean uh yeah, I think the, the uh, you know, I mean, the uh, free zone is a cumulative effect uh, yes. of increasing your four freedoms, freedom of time, money, relationship, and purpose, purpose. you know, and uh, at a certain point, you, uh, uh, you you accumulate enough of the intellectual shortcuts for freeing up your time, your, you know, you know, adding freedom to money. Uh-huh. relationship and purpose and all of a sudden you're 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 in a different zone yes you're you're, you're living in a zone that uh, nobody else lives in because it's not one freedom it's probably dozens and dozens of integrated freedoms that yes um, you know and uh, uh yeah and one of the biggest freedoms is the freedom from how yes that's exactly it the freedom from how and the ability for us to connect, I mean, it just I can't believe how, like, when you really look at the, the history of everything, even taking um, what you and I do, even this, like our relationship, our uh, ability to, to do this, we're not, we're, you're, we look back, what would you and I be doing a hundred years ago. Well, first of all, it would have cost yeah. us a lot more. Yeah, can you imagine a long distance a call, a, a telephone long distance from Toronto to Orlando? Yes. Yeah. First of all, it would have cost a lot, and then what do we do with it after it? You know, could it be recorded? Well, I guess it could be recorded then. I'm sure the you might have recording. to. Uh, uh, recording phone calls back then. <laughs> we'd have to record, uh, yeah, we'd have to record our, your end and record my end. We'd have to be, right? each of us would probably have to be in a studio, you know, yes. we'd have to be in a recording studio. And yes. there were, each of us would have to have about five, six technicians to, uh, yes. know, to handle what we were doing. And then what would we do? <laughs> then what would we do? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, wow, Dan. It's pretty amazing, like, to really think um, 
you know, as I was saying, getting the whole uh, history of really getting the magnitude of where we are right now and seeing like now turning and looking forward is what is the next, you know, what there's not many physical um, capabilities that we need in terms of communicating with the big four, the, with text and audio and pictures and, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. video um, that we've got the distribution model now with everybody we've got access the reach that we have you know through the internet through the cloud is to everybody um now it really is just i think a period of of vision is going to be mm-hmm. the the big thing vision coupled with who's you know collaboration Ooh. yeah Plus technology, plus technology, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The yeah, capabilities I mean, really, are uh, endless. I told, right? uh, yeah, I told uh, the group on Friday. I said, you know, this is the golden age of entrepreneurship. Yeah, but not, but not if you're focused on house. Right. And that's the thing is that the uh, even the house providing the um, the house are really. Uh, going to become commoditized too in a way right because once somebody knows how to do something the the solution for it is um you know it's less than well uh, you can take your you can take your kylie jenner uh yeah you know the kylie jenner example uh that we you know before you got on to you know old town Old Town Road, you were yeah. talking about Kylie Jenner, you know, the first yeah. self-made uh, billionaire who yeah. was still a teenager uh, uh, when she did it. Yeah. And uh, and uh, the the interesting thing about that, she was combining uh, the hows are, uh, if you're a who, the hows are available. I mean, yes. she, she wanted to become who she was, and if her last name wasn't Jenner or she wasn't connected. Right to that particular family, yes. you know, to that particular, she was, she was a celebrity simply by her birth name. Yes. Okay. And, and she took the birth name. She's a who uh-huh. so she's a who and to a properly focused who, uh, almost any number of houses are pretty available. Yes. She was a who in the reach department. Exactly. She yeah. had, she had well, she that. knew everybody too. I mean, she knew how to, who to talk to. Yeah, I mean, she, you know, she brought up in a, you know, in a family that was part of a society that yes. had just incredible number of talented, you know, talented people, and that she yes. could call upon and put the, uh, put them together. And yes. yet, uh, think of all the. Uh, she's not the most famous member of that family, and never would have been. Uh-huh. Okay, and uh, and uh, think of all the children of celebrities who end up dying of uh, drug overdoses or yeah. end up worthless. Well, uh, you still have to have some personal focus. You know, yes. you can be born with all the advantages in the world, and they become burdens pretty quickly yeah. if if you don't know who you are. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Uh... Boy, um, I, one of the things that was on my mind about that sort of thing about the who's is, you know, Peter Diamandis talks about interfaces, right? Like that mm-hmm. all of these apps and everything are like Uber is an interface to connect people who want a ride to people who are willing to give you one. And Airbnb is an interface to people who are willing to let you stay in their house, connecting people who want to stay mm-hmm. in somebody's house. Mm-hmm. All of these, these, um, the big ones there are, um, are laid out, but it's almost like the next layer of this now is being, uh, uh, human interfaces 
in a way, right? Who's yeah. who's that can be a human interface between all the technological um, capabilities that are available? Because the technological capabilities are are there, but it requires the intellectual understanding of how to do them. I think it's really something that who is yeah, I mean, really an intellectual really, uh, really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And there, uh, you know, I mean, uh, there's been this communication, you know, in the tech world, Yeah, you know, sort of a narrative, these narratives that uh, personal ownership doesn't mean anything anymore because all the capabilities are available without owning them. And I yeah. said, well, uh, that's probably, you know, an interesting thought when you're in your 20s, you know, when you yeah. don't have any money. Right. But if you're, But if you're in your 50s and you still don't have any money, you probably feel differently about it. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, what got us through uh, this whole era, you know, this era, because uh, Babs is, a very, very good uh, organizational manager, but she's an incredibly good uh, financial manager. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, you know, and we've, uh, you know, we've got this reserve that we've built up, uh, you know, through various investments and everything over the years that in case anything really bad happens in the economy, um, it doesn't stop the game for the strategic coach. Right. You know, we can we can continue and the, you know and we immediately knew what we had available and actually uh we weren't counting on the government, the two governments uh-huh. uh at all. And um, you know, I mean it's turned out, you know, wow, um the government's given us their own money to use the way we want to use it. Right, right. <laughs> People right. said, Well you're using you're using government money and I said, Well, uh Depends on how you look at it. It's actually our money. Yeah, right. <laughs> and uh, they just decided that we would probably know how to use it better than they would, so they uh-huh. gave it back to us uh, to to work with. And uh, you know, it's been great, and we're fine. And uh, you know, as, uh, you know, the the terms for repayment are generous in the states. You know, yes. a, actually, we got it, and you don't have to repay it if you use it for, uh, you know, if you use it for jobs for salary. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have, and we've used it. And then Trump comes in today and he leaves all payroll tax up until January 1st. So there's no payroll tax. And uh, just to make, uh, he's still giving uh, survival unemployment insurance, but he's dropped it to $400, you know. And uh, see, at $600, $600 a week, uh-huh. uh, you know. A lot of people said, "Why work at six hundred dollars a week?" Right. Okay, but at four hundred yeah. at four hundred dollars a week, you start thinking, you know, I think I better go back to work. Uh huh. And uh, and so anyway, but anyway, the government has uh, in both countries has obviously learned some lessons from the past. It said, "Get the money down to the local level. You know, get it down to individuals. And yes, at the local local level, at the small business level." But anyway, uh, but you know, uh, our reserves are based that we believe in ownership. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and people, uh, you know, people say, I was talking to Peter and I said, well, you, you talk about this, you know, that people can use your car, you know, but does anyone use your car except you? you? And right. Says, no, no. He says, no, because they might not know how to operate it. And I said, yeah. well, yeah, and I says no. I said it's an interesting theory, but I haven't met anyone who actually does it. And a lot of people who were offering their proper property for A, B, and B aren't doing it anymore because they right. had too much trouble with uh, renters. They had too much yeah. trouble with next door neighbors being unhappy with it and everything uh-huh. else. And I said, yeah, I said you know, uh, it. In theory, it's interesting, but I said in practice, it's it's more complex. The theory of uh, the you know the whole music industry was built on ownership of the actual songs, the catalog, and that's where most of the money comes from. But now that's shifting, where artists 
aren't giving up ownership of their music. Yeah. Um, Moby said in one of the videos that I saw, he said the way the only thing comparable to the way the music industry uh, traditionally has worked, it's as if you take a mortgage out on your house, you pay back the mortgage, and then the bank still owns your house. <laughs> i mean that's really what it's like you know and people yeah. are getting hip to that that they don't need to give up ownership of the intellectual property oh yeah that's really the thing is the intellectual property at the vision level yeah, Here, you know, here's the, put uh, through the capability and reach. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that might be interesting because you've done this um, survey of the past over the last couple of days, yeah, is to use the word intellectual shortcut and go back and and see if it's not the what's constantly driving things forward are intellectual yes. shortcut uh, shortcuts. Uh, it's yes. interesting to see what you come up with that. Yeah, well, I think that that's certainly true now that I think it reached the point. It's almost like things went from the C level to the B level to the A level in our capabilities, right? Like when you yeah. look at, first of all, in order, I don't know that the Gutenberg's press was an intellectual shortcut as much as it was a physical shortcut right that was i wonder how how does that let's just do it for the printing press to yeah. guide our thinking here if we said well, that here, here, yeah. yeah um well first of all uh just a little statistic on gutenberg within i think it was 30 years after gutenberg so that'd be 1480 there were 30,000 gutenberg type presses across um northern europe yeah in what year? Well, 30 years after Gutenberg's first. Oh, 30 press, years 30, after. Okay. Yeah. 30, yeah. So there were 30,000 in 30 years. That sounds yeah. exponential to me. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it's not the press itself. It's what the press can do. Uh -huh. you, know, uh, you know, and uh, first of all, he was a goldsmith. I don't know if you know that. He yeah, I did. Uh-huh. Yeah. He was a goldsmith. And so, um, and, you know, he was used to uh, melting casts. metal and pouring it into forms and casts and something connected with it. I mean, uh, you say, well, it's obvious, well, you know, it's obvious what he did there. Well, it wasn't obvious to anyone before him. So <laughs> somebody maybe wanted to get a cast of their initials or something. Yeah, like, it could have been. It could have yeah. been like that, you know, or uh -huh. stamp. They wanted a stamp or something like that. Yeah. You know? And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, uh, you know, why, why is the obvious not obvious before it happens? <laughs> hey, I wonder when that, when did wax, when did wax stamps become a thing? Cause remember we used to seal letters yeah, yeah. with wax. Yeah, well, long and before, then, long before, long before that. Uh, and then the ring, know. you would have the ring yeah. would make the uh, stamp yeah. of your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they said, yeah, it's so obvious. It's so obvious, yeah. you know. Well, it's funny, like in the, um, I'll just finish off because we're past the witching hour here. That can't be but true. The, Holy yeah, it cow. is. That's ridiculous. Is. But in the Western Hemisphere, you had some really, really advanced civilizations, the Aztecs, the Mayas, and, uh, you know, the Incas, um, and, um, and what's interesting, they had uh, toys. The children had toys that had wheels, yes. but the adults had nothing with wheels on. So they actually had little wheels. They had little toys that kids would have that had wheels on them. You know, okay. and two wheels, two wheels. And none of the none of the adults got the idea. Hey, you know, we could actually create wagons. We could create right. Cart, carts, and, that, and that, uh, they said it was around for hundreds and hundreds of years, but nobody got the idea that you might uh, you might wow. actually. So there were no wheeled uh, 
there was no wheeled transportation. Uh, even though they were very advanced, they had alphabets, they had astronomy, yeah. and everything like that. But nobody, and they said it was so obvious why they couldn't. Uh, they, the obvious thing is not obvious before it becomes obvious. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this yeah. is so great. There's a lot of yeah. juxtapositions here in terms of yeah. vision capabilities and reach simplifiers and multipliers, you know, intellectual yeah. shortcuts. There's a lot of great. Uh, well, there's probably no motivation to simplify until there's a possible multiplier. Yeah, you know, and vice versa, and vice versa. There's yeah. no possible multiplier until there's a simplifier to yeah. multiply. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, very very good. Yeah, Dan, this was uh, very exciting. I just uh, can't tell you how intellectually stimulating it is. Yeah, it is. But uh, I think they're all intellectual shortcuts. There's yes. a jump. There's a jump, uh, you know, and uh, so something something that is in ten or fifteen pieces suddenly becomes one single piece. Yes, it seems to me. And uh, yeah. Anyways, it was. I great. love it. Okay, okay, Dan. Thanks. I'll talk bye. to you next time. Bye. Okay. Bye.